Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, hockey fans? Welcome back to Casing the League, bringing you top NHL headlines, hot topics, but most importantly, best bets, because we are finally back in hockey season. Full swing goes down in about eight days from today. And speaking of best bets, when you're looking at best bets and all numbers, facts, and figures, you're going to want to check out Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your info, stats, news, and scores. It's also your Intel headquarters this season. They've got you covered across the board in all sports, but you definitely want to get into that hockey statistics in depth. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. Get into the action, head to the website or use your mobile device and be sure to use our promo code believe that's B L E A V to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. I'm your host Casey Hudson and I am so excited to welcome back Allison Lucan, uh Seattle contributor analyst you guys know how much she inspires me we had a great conversation before off season kind of got started how was your off season did you get to have a real one <laughs> a little <laughs> bit of a real one but we're all back at it it's it's busy but it's the best time of the year yeah absolutely i mean and sometimes every summer just feels different like you have a real off season or you're still keeping tabs on things i think it all depends on how the free agency market and everything goes with the workload or break might be. But um, one thing that I had to ask you about the minute that I saw this come up on social media, and I'm like, I got to get in touch with Allison. It's this Jessica Campbell story. It's having this woman behind the bench versus the Calgary Flames and her being the assistant coach for the Firebirds. Can you just kind of touch on what the what the conversation was around the organization and what this meant to not only the Kraken, but the path that's going to continue to pave for women in hockey? Yeah, for sure. I think this has been a great story about a really talented and deserving individual. It goes back to last season, before last season, when Dan Bielzema, who's the head coach in Coachella Valley, was putting together his coaching staff. And he went to Kraken Management and said, I can hire anyone, right, as long as they're qualified. And they said, absolutely. And so he found Jess um, and she came in. Um, her primary responsibility is being working with the forwards and the power play in Coachella Valley and being part of that coaching staff that took the team in their very first year of existence to one win from a Calder Cup championship. And as most of us know who follow the NHL, it is standard practice that in some of these exhibition games, you often give your AHL coaches a chance to be behind the bench um, for a, a, a baby NHL game, if you will. And uh, so, yes. so, so Jess was able to do that last week. And she is the first AHL assistant coach coming up through an organization who also is a woman to have that honor. And I think that it was just awesome to see. I think that she handles things with such grace. It's not a big deal, if that makes sense. She wants this to be commonplace. And I think for her personally, to be able to coach a team that had a lot of the players she's been working with and is helping them try to achieve their dreams of ultimately playing the NHL to, to kind of now let them see her doing a little bit of the same was, was a really special moment. And I think it's a testament to the Kraken that they recognize the importance of not just giving AHL coaches a shot, but making sure that all of their AHL coaches got a shot, including the first AHL women's coach behind the bench. 
Yes, absolutely. And especially when your name popped to mind and I'm like, I have to talk to Allison. The first thing behind that was the Kraken just keep getting it right. This organization is just doing so well with putting their best foot forward. If I kind of had to think, what would the new era of hockey look like? I feel like the Seattle Kraken organization is is making a case for that. Like they're going to be the team to kind of do that. And they just keep doing things that support that statement and that idea. But you said something that point jumped out at me too it's the fact that jessica has an approach to this to make it normal you know it's it is a big deal that there's a woman behind the bench but also it shouldn't always have to be a big deal because it should become a more normal um sense of direction i saw the players interviews when when they were asked about this and i just really love the fact that they paid a tribute and respect to not only her perspective because yeah you have different perspectives as a man and a woman but you have different evaluation processes too and they respect and appreciate hers and her value on the power play so i just love the fact that it seems like there's a genuine respect there and i just needed to say you know what does it say about the character of these players on this roster because there could have been a different attitude or tone to a situation like this and i felt like they all just had the best foot forward in this case a hundred percent and i think you know those of us who maybe come from communities or parts of the human human race that haven't always had a voice or a space in hockey i think this is the plug plug and um the pull and push i guess i should say is that yes it should be celebrated yes it should be recognized but again like we were saying we want to be in these spaces because we deserve to be in these spaces because we are more than competent. We can crush it. Um, and so I think everything you just said illustrates this beautifully. I think Jess and those players uh, showed that this really is real and authentic to them because they were willing to mark the moment, but they were also most importantly wanting to treat this as a coach, getting an opportunity and evaluating players in the hockey game. And I think um, we all, those of us who, who are trying to make more space for those who look and sound like us, um, we recognize that we have to acknowledge that moment, but we want it to be so commonplace that no one even notices anymore. Yes, absolutely. And what a great addition to not only the organization, but I can't wait to see what she does in the AHL for this upcoming season after how they crushed it in Coachella. But Speaking of new additions, that's the exciting part about the offseason. You've got new guys coming in. You've got, you know, faces of franchises potentially going out. Um, so much movement, but it always changes the identity as well as the capability of a roster. Uh, what are some players maybe on the top of your list as impactful additions or your favorite move in the offseason? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting time for the Kraken because we see teams all over the NHL at different points in their life cycle of competing and striving for cups. And the Kraken are still building, in my opinion, to their true, real, hardcore window of opportunity. They're still quite young. So what I liked, the, the moves that were done this offseason, nothing super flashy, but really nice, solid moves to bolster a team but not lock them into anything long-term in terms of where they think maybe this next wave of youth is really going to start to push them over the hump. So I look at a veteran defenseman signing like Brian Dumoulin. I think that just really matches the identity of the Kraken defense. And again, gives them security to Stanley Cups to his name. He has what it takes on and off the ice to help this team. You look at a Pierre-Edouard Belmar, who I know has been down by you too, who is a delight, <laughs> yes. a delight, a delight. And you know, again, recognizes his veteran role, but such a gift on the penalty kill and the faceoff dot. And the faceoff area is one thing that the Kraken have wanted to improve. And we've seen him already 
tutoring some of the younger players on that. And that's been awesome to see. And then you kind of have your, your fun addition in Kyler Yamamoto, who's just a little spitfire coming down to kind of reclaim his career after, you know, moving around and getting bought out from his last contract. And, and I really liked what I've seen. So I think for him, he can help supplement some of the skill that left via free agency this summer, but also has that hunger, has that push to keep everyone competing to be the best they can to earn a roster spot. Absolutely. And I love all the guys that you've mentioned, because when I was thinking about impactful guys and what the Seattle Kraken did, the way they surprised everybody, truly, um, these guys can really help push the line even further. They're coming off of a 100 point season. But what I love is that there's a kind of a theme here when you look at a Belmar who, you know, I directly have, have had the opportunity to interview. And then you've got Dumoulin. You've got two guys that have been on championship caliber teams, um, especially when it comes to Belmar. He went from the Flyers to the Golden Knights to the Avalanche to the Lightning. And he's had so many chances to just be around that kind of culture, the winning culture. But he also has a great leadership style to him. He's very selfless when it comes to giving tips and tricks just to make his team better. Uh, there's another guy, though, Devin Shore. What have you seen maybe out of him so far? I know he hasn't had a chance to play more than 49 games since 2017. I liked his versatility, though, especially when it comes to you guys' roster. He can play center or left wing. Uh, he was on the left wing for about nine different line changes. Big block shots kind of guy. Does well with redistributing the puck off of rebounds. Uh, have you seen much out of him? Yeah, it's funny. This is a player I actually had covered a little bit when I was covering Columbus. He had a short stint there post a trade deadline. Um, but to me, this is a player who looks improved even since then. Um, he's everything that you're saying, you know, again, maybe a player who hasn't been able to solidify an NHL roster spot, but he has definitely put himself in the mix to hold down whatever this new fourth line looks like for the crack. And all three of those spots really are kind of up for grabs. And I think whether he starts there on the season or not, this is a player that based on his camp, the coaching staff is going to be looking at to maybe call up during the season. Um, he's been very noticeable to me. And, and of course, as we say with offensive players, that's a good thing is to notice him building chemistry with line mates, even across uh, different practices and different combinations. And, and I really like how he's evolved, even like I said, from the last time I had seen him play. Yeah, and that's so cool that you even got a chance to see him at that stage of his career and then see how he blends in now. And I think sometimes these guys that have flashy careers maybe four, five, six years ago on a fresh team like the Seattle Kraken or younger teams, that might be their revival. Uh, we saw that with a couple of the misfits for the Golden Knights. Um, also, something else that pointed out to me, you got Brian Dumoulin, loved his play with the Pittsburgh Penguins, of course, a bit of a awesome, you know, back end for the Pittsburgh Penguins, more of a stay at home defenseman kind of guy, not afraid to block shots and put up big hits. How can this maybe alleviate, you know, uh, groove or um, it's Dringer that you have in the other guy in goal, correct? Well, we'll see. That's another battle that's <laughs> up for up for grabs. Chris, going. Drieger, Chris Drieger and Joey Decord <laughs> fighting for that spot. But yes, I think that, you know, again, um, Carson Soucy leaves via free agency. And if you look at how a lot of these Kraken defensive pairings have been going, they solidify it with a really defensive minded player on one side and then have a player who's a little more creative, a little more rangy, if you will, in their play on the other side. 
and to you've explained Dumoulin perfectly. That's exactly what he is. That's what he brings. You know, he's had some injury trouble, so maybe he's not as mobile as he's been, but his passing ability remains so, so, so strong. Like there's not much that's left that over the years. And so again, if you think about how the Kraken like to play, a player on the back end who can play strong, stout defense and then move the puck up to the players who are going to advance it offensively, that's exactly what they need. I love it. Now, preseason's flying by. <laughs> it's We're going to look up and it's going to be opening night. You guys play on opening night. The Lightning play on opening night as well. Um, what are some guys that have stood out to you throughout preseason? I know it's kind of tough because those first few games are kind of looking more at the prospects, but I feel like the Kraken have done well of giving very young guys opportunities. Obviously, we saw um, Ty just kind of take over playoffs and completely dominate. Looks like he's fighting and contending for a roster spot to be a full-blown Kraken player. So who's jumped out to you the most so far? Yeah, Ty Cartier definitely is one of those players who's who's saying, hey, you better pay attention to me. Shane Wright looks to be on the trajectory that everyone thought he would be of just getting better and better, having settled in after an extremely chaotic last summer and last regular season. And another player, you know, we talk about this youth movement and, and the wise signings of, you know, a player like Dublin for two years is that a young defenseman, Riker Evans, has really, really stood out. This was a player that the organization was mentioning and saying, you know, we're, we're envisioning him to really push from within. Um, and you knew that, but you didn't really see it until this camp. And he looks confident. He looks composed. I think a lot of this is going to come down to, again, what does this team want its fourth line to look like? Um, on opening night. And then again, of course, we know this game, you know, a team has to look at who can they safely maybe send down to the AHL and make sure they stay in the organization versus losing to waivers. But I think, as I said um, earlier, even if not all of these players make the opening night roster, I think that a lot of the young guys who I mentioned are going to be faces we see sooner rather than later, if it's just a matter of protecting assets and and making sure they can play as much as possible if they're not necessarily going to be playing all the time right out of the gate at the NHL level. But, th but those are some faces for sure that have caught my eye. Absolutely. And that's the beautiful thing about hockey, I guess, especially when you have an AHL team, you never know when you're going to get your call up chance and it's going to be necessary. And it happens just like that. Uh, you guys play the Oilers this evening. Now I was looking at some of the notes from the previous preseason game. I love the fact that there was Devin Shore, Shane Wright and um, Jacob Melanson on the same line. I felt like they were pretty dominant. Maybe your standout line in that game, six shots, six scoring chances, two uh, high danger chances there and a lot of rush opportunity. Then you've got Ty and Pierre and Brandon Tanev. Tanev finally just came back for his first 80 game season after battling injuries. Are there going to be any of these guys in tonight's lineup versus an Oilers game that I think is going to be pretty intense because the head coach was talking about the fact that it's time to kind of fine and tune and see what that opening night roster is going to look like in this game should play a role in that. Yeah, those are exactly the the job battles that are happening. Now, um, Jacob Melanson has been sent down to the AHL. I think that's a great step for him. So we won't see him. Ty Cartier is slated to play. Um, Belmar and Tanev, I believe, are, are not playing, um, but Devin Shore will play. So again, the, you have captured exactly what this big battle is for in this last line is 
What does it look like? Who makes it up? How does what the coaches think the line should be versus what players just demand to be part of this team opening night? It's fascinating. But um, I agree. I thought that that line with with Devin Shore was the the most commanding um, the other game. Um, And we'll see if these guys can't just make it harder and harder for the coaches to choose. I know. I would love if Devin Shore just has this spark and has this insane season with the Seattle Kraken. I don't know why, but that's just my my gut feeling and enjoyment when I think of this lineup and what's coming up. Now, of course, opening night, eight days away, you guys are taking on the reigning Stanley Cup champions and the and the Golden Knights. Now, out of four times playing them last year, there was only one win in November, but it was a beautiful win, four goals. And you've got Andre Burakovsky, who was a huge key player in that, picked up two goals, um, a lot of different leaders in different aspects. What are your predictions for, for opening night? How do you think this matchup is going to tilt? Yeah, you know, it's hard to say, right? Because I certainly want to give all the flowers to the Vegas Golden Knights. They earned that cup of theirs last year, and they're returning a lot of key pieces. They lost some, but they're returning a lot of those key pieces. And so if they can stay healthy – which arguably they are not going to be any more healthy than opening night. Um, they're, they're going to be a big test um, for the Kraken for sure. But, you know, again, this Kraken team is coming back with a lot of chemistry from last year. You mentioned Burakovsky. He's back. Um, you've got Ellie Tolvanen, who only played for the Kraken a half of a season last year. He'll be in all these games against Vegas, even starting with the first one. And, you know, we've seen this, right, is that sometimes these cup teams on a night that's filled with so much earned celebration and emotion of raising that banner. Sometimes it can be hard for that home team to kind of click back into the game and seal the deal. So we'll see if maybe the Kraken can't take advantage of a little bit of an emotional edge there. Absolutely. And I know I felt that from the Tampa Bay Lightning coming back after <laughs> the off seasons with them hoisting the cup themselves. Um, something else that I loved about this matchup, though, is that you mentioned at the top of the segment, the Kraken are still in a rebuild phase, even though they're doing a beautiful uh, job of kind of finding these guys and honing their skills to create a great roster, a formidable roster, I should say. This team still kind of protected their defensive players as well as their goalkeeping, a goaltender that completely blossomed out of nowhere. What kind of test is this going to be for the Seattle Kraken scorers? Because we've seen that they can score. They actually edged out the Golden Knights with goals for by 0.26 goals. So this is a great test to see where are you coming with, with your shot percentage and how well can you get pucks on net and carry that through the season? Yeah, this is going to be a big thing to watch for the Kraken for sure. You have... A couple players, you know, I think of, of course, Burakovsky, I think of an Oliver Bjorkstrand, an Ellie Tolvanen, and of course, a Jared McCann, who all we know above and beyond traditional shooting percentage have elevated finishing ability. So we're always going to see some higher shooting percentages from them. But it is true. We have a lot of Kraken players who saw career years in terms of points and in terms of goals scored. And so this is a little bit like what the Golden Knights faced after their first year, right? How much of this is flash in the pan versus reality? And and I do think this is a very motivated group. But watching that goal production, watching that offensive production continue, if not elevate just a little bit, is going to be a key thing for the Kraken to accomplish. Yeah, I think if I was one of these players, I would love this for an opening uh, opportunity because it's really going to let you know where you stand and where you can build. And the beautiful part about hockey, too, is it's the second half of the season that's a big a big tell-all. Um, so with all this information from preseason to offseason moves, 
is there a lookout player on your radar, um, whether it's a new face or somebody already part of the organization, maybe anyone that might take an additional stride within their statistics or their, you know, their play on the ice this season, who's catching your eye right now? Oh, that's such a great question. You know, I, I, I do, I'll pick, I'll pick an, can I pick two? I'm going to pick two. If yeah, I can. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Um, this, this might sound like an easy out, but it is true. I think um, I'm going to look at what Andre Burakovsky can do again, lost yeah. him halfway through the season. And on paper, when he was gone, it, you saw what the team was missing, but the team, as we were kind of alluding to found ways to compensate and push to get that first postseason berth. What can he do now, hopefully with a full season of play? And how does that help the team? It's got to be where I think this organization expected it to be with a full season of Andre Burakovsky. And I think my second wild card is Yamamoto. Um, I think that he brings a really interesting facet, you know, a smaller player, but we're seeing across the league that that's a trend that can survive and thrive in this league. And a guy who's not afraid to get net front either. So I think, again, if we talk about that all-important scoring goals question and replacing that fourth line, if he's a guy who can earn a spot in the lineup, can he keep that offensive touch going and be part of the solution for the Kraken on the scoreboard? I love that you chose those two players because they're literally sitting right here on my list. I had three guys just to see who you chose, but they were my top two for a number of reasons. Now, I want to get your insight on something really fast because Yamamoto and what he could potentially do with this team. What I loved about his numbers and his play and the guys that he has had a chance to play with is that sometimes these talented players, when you're playing along, uh, you know, top scorers in the league, your opportunities aren't going to really be the most sought out. You know, your time on ice is kind of different and everything else like that. But to still show that he can be a 20 goal guy, which he did the season before, uh, he had an impressive 45 takeaways last season, which you love that because you're keeping the puck in play for your team. Um, I feel like coming here, not having to contend with <laughs> McJesus and Dreisaitl and all these other people, <laughs> now he'll have space you know, to kind of extend his career. So I was so excited when you said him because I can't wait to see. And plus, I feel like all the players that are new additions, as well as guys who got a chance to stay on this roster, the defensive elements to their games, being able to protect their side of the ice, it's going to alleviate them to just play that much stronger and score that much more. At least that's where I'm thinking. So Yamamoto, top of my list. And then, of course, Andre didn't get a chance to play much, as you mentioned, but a lot of people don't realize this guy had one of the most outstanding scoring percentages in the league. Um, his dad was a defensive player, so I don't know if it's genetic, but I mean, in 2019, when he was playing with the Avalanche, he had a 19.4 shot percentage. His ability to just keep tracking shots on net is insane. And I don't think anyone's gotten a chance to see him actually do that with the Seattle Kraken. I think that they barely scratched the surface of what he can contribute to this team. So those were my two favorite guys. And then my third one was, uh, Tanev. He's the bounce back, being able to come back and do 80 games and the shots that he still put up, the fact that he was a 16 goal guy, I think at some points he still even looked like he was working through some things, but he's got so much grit. He's one of those players who it's impossible to keep him off the ice, I would assume. And he had a career high of 278 hits. Like who does that? Who puts their body on the line that much? So I feel like health is going to be a huge swing for this team. If you've got guys like this that can continue to contribute. 
hundred percent. And you're, you're absolutely right. Tanev is that gritty fourth line presence, you know, big on the PK and um, was able to really kind of close out games. Even if you're, you know, playing against a sixth skater attack and the opponent's empty net to still gain possession and then drive the puck down. And, and even if some of those were empty net goals, you know, he's that, that matters, that solidifies the game and puts it out of reach a lot of times. So um, he's part of the engine of how this group plays for sure. Yes. And sometimes empty net's not as easy as everyone thinks. 100%. Many of those get missed. We've seen it. <laughs> exactly. While we're composed, keeping our composure and sweating in the press box, it's, it's, we're just watching how it misses. And then, of course, as a fan, you're like, how did you do that? But I'm thinking to myself, I know how because I probably would. Right. Um, <laughs> before I let you go, just some fun odds and bets to see where uh, the world is placing the Seattle Kraken versus where we think they actually will long and I love this because it just tends to go in so many different directions so the Kraken's odds when it comes to the winning the conference the Western Conference of course and their division odds conference odds are about plus 1400 division odds plus 900 they're behind uh I want to say four different teams when it comes to these odds do you think this is a fair positioning for them behind the Oilers Golden Knights Kings and Flames yeah, you know, I mean, I get it, right? I think that um, we talked about, you know, the goals, we talked about the shooting percentages, and I can see how the bookmakers and the odds makers would say, you know, you can't sustain that. Um, I think the Flames are definitely a very big wild card. Um, they underperformed so much, in my opinion, last season, and now they have all new leadership, new coach, new GM. It, can they put it back together? Um, and then the Kings, I think, are a big powerhouse too. But what is their goaltending situation going to be? They've kind of yep. been trying to figure that out for a while. So if you're making straight odds, I get that lineup for sure. I think that, you know, we know that Edmonton and Vegas presume they can stay healthy or are a top of, of our division at least. But there's going to be a real murky middle with some really quality teams, of which I think the Kraken are one that'll sort out. Even two, but two, three, four, five. Absolutely. And like you said, the Flames are trying to figure out some things. And yeah, the Oilers are amazing. They're 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 such a dominant team. But when you can't protect your net, all of the goals that you post in the world eventually aren't going to mean much. We saw that happen in playoffs. Um, they also weren't able to come up really strong on their penalty kill. So their power play, amazing penalty kill, not protecting them. Um, the next fun one is NHL points. Kraken hit 100 points made it look so much fun, made it look pretty easy in some instances, and then very hard fought in others. The over-under for them this season is 93 and a half points. Would you take the over or under here? Ooh, mm. <laughs> I will take, I will take, I'll take, I'll be bullish and I'll take the over. I, I kind of see a 95 point season being a very realistic goal for them. Um, of course, as we've talked about, they did have the hundred last year, but um, if we allow for just a little bit of regression and maybe a little bit more, not as much lopsided team to team in our division this coming season, there's not going to be as many points to go around. So we'll go tiny bit over at 95. I love it. That's a great point too. And then last but not least, Groove, a win total over or under 25 and a half. Um, we know that he was very hard on himself because of his beginning performance in last season. And then, of course, things started to come together for him. We saw the championship caliber that he has with the Avalanche. So we know what he's capable of. Where would you throw this one? You know, on this one, let's see. I will be, 
I will again be bullish and I'll take the over. I think that um, even if you look at last year, people who may not have followed the Kraken as much um, don't remember that he was out um, from Thanksgiving or excuse me, up until Thanksgiving with an injury that took him out of quite a few games when Martin Jones had to play. So I think, again, we knock on all the wood, but with complete health, I think it's going to be the over. Absolutely. And last but not least, it's not a best bet, but just your personal opinion. If there's one thing that the Seattle Kraken um, maybe needed to focus on the most in cleaning up with their game to carry into compete this season, what would that be? Would it be special teams? Would it be goaltending? Would it be the forwards? Where would you pinpoint that, that weak point to get stronger? Yeah, I, th I think it's definitely the power play specifically. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of the best teams on the power play have either very elite talent or have played together for a really significant amount of time. And the Kraken have a little bit of talent, but they're still getting that chemistry like an Ovechkin-led power play situation. <laughs> so um, I think they're getting there, and I think they know the elements they need to bring to it. But I think that they would want it to be better. Some of the players and coaches have already talked about it during this camp. And that would be something that would obviously really help um, for all the reasons we've talked about in terms of overall play and then in this division as well. So the power play is my pick. I love it. That's what I had on my list too. Allison, I can't thank you enough for joining me and always sharing your insight. I love seeing your insight, your analytics, and your perspective of covering this team. Such a fun team to cover. As I said, they just keep getting it right. I hope you guys have a great preseason game this evening, and I wish you even better luck when it comes to opening night. Be sure to follow Allison Lucan over on all social media handles, and she'll bring you full coverage of the Seattle Kraken's impressive season. I think they're going to continue to be impressive. I hope that you have a great opening night, and until next time, guys, this is Casing the League on Believe Network. You can follow over at Casing the League or at the Sports Case, and check out Bet Online Again, download, use the mobile app, and special code Believe, B-L-E- a V and until next time guys we'll catch you later.